if there was anything to describe the mission, it's like, well, it's one big awkward moment, but you, you make the most of it. It teaches you that you can do hard things. You know, in the strength of the Lord, you can do hard things. Hello and welcome back to the Bishop's Office. This time I'm speaking to Richard Ryan about his mission in Perth. I hope you enjoy it. Well, great to catch up with you, Rich, this evening to talk about your mission. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Great. Um, well, why don't you kick us off by um, reminding us where you served and, and when you served? Sure. I served in the Australia-Perth mission between 2007 and 2009. Right. And so the Perth mission, what does that cover geographically in Australia? Pretty much the whole of Western Australia, except for a tiny little cutout. Well, when I say tiny, it's actually probably a very large area <laughs> uh, that cuts out uh, Kununurra, okay. which, funny enough, bordered one of my, not the first area of my mission. It's, it's right up against the border with Northern Territory. Okay, cool. Um, well, we'll hear a little bit more about your areas perhaps as we talk a bit more, but before we um, talk about your, you know, entering the mission field, what can you tell us about um, your growing up years and your preparation for missionary service? Was serving a mission always something that you wanted to do? Uh, it was It was never really a question as to whether I would serve a mission. For me, it was just a given, like that was an expectation. It was just part of the path of progression for me in the gospel. And were there, as you look back at your, I guess, teenage years, were there some experiences that come to mind that you felt really prepared you for um, wanting to serve or being ready to serve? Yes, I think just being involved in uh, going to seminary and institute, having my own personal scripture study and general listening to conference and attending the temple obviously being endowed all those things just compounded to add to those preparations and, and build my testimony and I think about some of the youth conferences I went to and the strong spirit that I felt there firesides all, all those things that really give you that spiritual oomph and um, so when you left for your mission did you feel like you had a pretty firm testimony or was it a bit of a seedling at that that stage I, I thought it was it was pretty firm but in terms of you know there's still plenty of things for me to learn and mature and i think especially in understanding the priesthood and the power that i was able to hold in the priesthood mm. and be, be of service in that regard you know it's, and understand the importance of the ordinances of the priesthood. And um, as you think back on those years, are there is there maybe one or two sort of specific experiences that you could share when you really felt like your testimony grew, or did it happen gradually over time? I think it was it was definitely gradual for me. I I, I can never pinpoint any specific time. I I, I always my mum always described me as having a believing heart. I guess it's not that I didn't ever have questions, but I always look to the right place to find the answers, mm. I think. And, and if the answers weren't forthcoming about certain things, then I didn't think it was that important to worry about it. Um, and, you know, I'm very similar to you. Um, we've heard sort of on this podcast a few um, sort of very powerful pre-mission testimony-related experiences. But for me, um, throughout my whole life, the experiences that I've had with the Spirit have been generally sort of small and gradual and 
um, the sum total of them is something important, but, um, you know, I don't have sort of one or two experiences that I go back to time and time again. And I think also my mum was always that rock solid example to me. She's always diligent in the gospel. She always taught us the gospel from a very young age and reading the scriptures and all those sorts of things. So talk to me about entering the mission field then. You would have had a couple of weeks in um, in New Zealand and then straight over to Perth. Um, what were those first few days and weeks like? Interestingly, I had uh, my first mission president. I had two mission presidents. The first one was President Albertson and he lasted the, my first transfer and then the following transfer he went home. Mm-hmm. And then I had a new mission president. And my first area I was sent to was Broome, which was a two-hour flight from Perth. Thankfully, they didn't put me on a bus because that would have taken probably two days. And it, Broome is a, has a large Indigenous population. There were a lot of interesting things happening up there, some confronting things. But, you know, I grew up a fairly sheltered life. So, uh, you know, there were some things that shook me a little, just adjusting to... Being a somewhat independent, it was it was hard. It was really hard. It was uh, the things that worried me before about I went on the mission. Well, you know, things about oh, am I going to be able to deal with the washing, the ironing, the cooking, and all those practical things. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that I dealt with them quite fine, and even with under my understanding of the gospel was quite good. It was just adjusting to having to meet so many strangers and overcoming some shyness to approach people. Uh, that was really hard. But probably the most difficult thing was this particular area of Broome uh, was a very, very small branch. Um, the branch president wasn't a local. He was actually a senior missionary. He didn't have any counsellors. We were his unofficial branch presidency counsellors. And there were times where I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. So how many people were in this branch in Broome? Well, on an average week, we'd probably average uh, between five and ten. It was, yeah, a bit different from what I was used to. I think you have a very different role that you play as full-time missionaries in these very small branches, right? Because yes. often you're one of very few priesthood holders and, yes. and you know, you sort of made reference to needing to do um, a lot of things that, you know, the mission missionaries wouldn't necessarily do, teach Yeah, like the ministering and things yeah. like that and mm. branch council and all things like that, yes. Were there some positives that came from uh, serving in that branch? What did you learn about the church during that time? Yeah, it, it obviously stretched me to a certain point, but it helped me realise and appreciate how much we have when we're in as part of a water estate, estate you know, and what what some the remote branches is kind of miss out on. But I guess it's it's also it was a, a good growth experience for me to you know like every second. Sunday or something, I was giving a testimony or giving a talk or doing a lesson or something. So I was certainly proactive in that area. And we had that responsibility of, you know, setting up a church every week. We didn't have a meeting house. We just rented out a room in the local TAFE. Mm. Yeah, interesting. And um, you talked about those first few months um, really struggling with shyness and coming out of your shell and talking to people. Did you find that 
I guess that increased load of sharing testimonies and blessing the sacrament and giving talks and all that sort of stuff, did that help in any way to, I guess, come to terms with this new reality of being a missionary? Oh, I think it did a little. It certainly made me feel more useful. But, you know, Broome is just a very different kind of place. And I remember going out tracting and stuff and there was, there was, it was always a sort of relaxed vibe to the town. You know, it's a beachside community, a lot of tourists come there. But uh, my mission president eventually did transfer. I was I, I went back to Perth because he was having like a farewell, and then I was assigned to a new area, which was a completely different experience. There was an active teaching pool we had there, and there were lots of you know there was a, a ward, a lot more active members that you could sort of gain strength from. And what were some of the key experiences that you had on your mission? Well, I'd served in a few different areas. Uh, one particular area uh, was. Merrill Ward, which some some people nickname Māori Ward because there are lots of key, lots of New Zealanders in the ward, uh, probably eighty percent of the ward, and the rest were English. In fact, Perth is a very multicultural city. Uh, we met a lot of people from that had been only in the country for a matter of weeks, well, every continent from Africa and Asia and Europe, everywhere. You know, there were refugee families as well, like uh, the, particularly South Africans. It's like the gateway to Australia because you know Perth and South Africa. Are, sort of like opposite sides of the Indian Ocean. But this one particular ward, we were teaching a man named Leo. And he was one of those visionary kind of people, you know. The, his wife was a less active member. She was a Cook Islander. He was a Maori. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they, were, they had that sort of spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they seemed to be very spiritual. And they said they'd had visions about Joseph Smith and Jesus Christ. He got baptised. But I just remember... The feeling I had when he decided, yes, I'm going to get baptised, and that exhilaration, you know, like, yes, mm. someone's actually making that commitment, you know, because it's a very significant thing. And, and it was someone who seemed quite prepared, you know. They didn't have all the issues that other investigators would have. You know, they had that sort of spiritual background as well. As we were speaking earlier, you made reference to the priesthood and understanding, I guess, the priesthood authority and power that was available to you in your missionary service. Are there some particular experiences that you had with the priesthood that you could share with us? Um, yeah, just having, I remember thinking about the, the article of faith number five, is it? Talks about a man being called of God by prophecy and by the laying on of hands to preach the gospel and administering the ordinances thereof. I didn't realise that was talking about missionaries. I thought it was talking about, you know, the prophet <laughs> specifically or the general authorities, but it's, it's actually talking about missionaries. So just having that charge to go and preach the gospel is exercising the priesthood. And of course, participating in ordinances. Um, and all of this participation, what did it what did it teach you about the priesthood? Well, that there's an order to it, and that the whole foundation of the church relies on that organisation of the priesthood. And I gained a greater understanding and respect for the brethren. You know, the the general authorities. We had opportunities to meet with them closely in person. Uh, we had a few. 70s come through, President Hinckley's son. We had a couple of others, area presidents, and we also had Elder Bednar, the apostle, come and visit us. And he presided at a state conference, and then we had a, a missionary conference with him as well. Mm, interesting. And well, I, was, I was really curious about what he'd have to say when he 
you know, because he shook everyone's hand, all the missionaries' hands, and he looks you in the eye, and he just said to me, thank you for your service. That's what he told me. And um, how did your relationship with the Saviour change during those two years? I think I really learned to rely on him. And I know through the example of my my mission president, President Moore, uh, I, I grew quite close to him as well and his wife. They were really kind and loving and helped me to endure through some of the difficulties that I faced on my mission, particularly with some of the mental health challenges that I had. And I think, yeah, the Saviour really helped me to feel of, that I was of worth to him and that he loved me and he wanted me to succeed. He, you know, like, if there was anything to describe the mission, it's like, well, oh, it's one, one big awkward moment, but you, you make the most of it. <laughs> and it, it teaches you that you can do hard things. You know, in the strength of the Lord, you can do hard things. Oh, I think that's such a great, <laughs> great way of describing it and um, a wonderful lesson. Um, you mentioned those hard times and uh, made reference to, to some mental health challenges. Um, what can you tell us about those low points of your mission and, and how you got through them and what you did to find strength in Jesus Christ and, and help from others around you? Well, um, uh, my first mission present, the first bit of counsel he gave to me, and I still remember today, is be patient with yourself. You know, because when I first started out, I thought well, I needed to be, you know, the robot know and do everything right. They have the place spotless and have the area book filled in correctly and, you know, everything going gung-ho. But, you know, when you arrive in the mission field, you realise it's a different reality. But over time, you just learn to build on the strengths you have. And so, yeah, I had a very loving and understanding mission president. He's actually... Australian. Um, he's from Brisbane. So I, I still keep regular contact with him and see him occasionally. Uh, he actually got me some professional help when I was in my mission. I went and saw a counsellor and that was the first time I'd ever been to see anyone about it. And it was a bishop in one of the wards at the time. He's now a state president in Dianella. And he was just a very kind man, very gentle, and just helped me work through some of those times when I was beating myself up. In that particular time, I'd come away from a, a very difficult companion as well. It was this particular companion. Obviously, we spent a lot of time together. He loved to uh, blow his trumpet, I guess you could say. He sort of almost found pleasure in tearing me down a bit. And I guess I, I lost a bit of self-confidence from that. But funny enough, as we met later on in the mission, he was actually quite nice to me. He was quite, quite friendly. But when we were together, he was, we tended to rub each other up the wrong way. And <laughs> see a mountain where I saw a molehill and vice versa. So you've had this period of time where your confidence has been shaken a little um, with this companion. Um, yeah, quite a few teary nights. Was there a companion that you really connected to or you really felt like you learned something positive from? Yeah, so in the second half of my mission after I'd had that experience, I, uh, I had a couple of different companions actually um, that I got on really well with. One in particular, he was just so easygoing and I always see a senior companion. He just was enthusiastic. He wanted to do the work. He was willing, you know, to give anything a go. I, uh, you know, I, I didn't feel like I needed to 
do everything as a senior companion, like he would offer and step in. And the really good companions are the ones that you'd, you know, you'd share meals with. But, uh, yeah, he really got along well with them. Um, and we had a good stable teaching pool and it was just a, a really positive experience. And I felt like the the spirit was really, really, really with us, you know, and I thought about the rest of the world totally distracted and from, you know, the really important things. They didn't have that focus on the gospel and the joy that the gospel can really bring to people's lives mm-hmm. if they embrace it. I think it's uh, interesting the connection you made between, I guess, unity with your companion and, I guess, your ability to identify and um, feel the spirit, right, um, versus when you've got contention in a relationship. And I think it's a good lesson for us um, in the importance of trying to preserve um, unity and peace in our relationships and in our homes, right? Mm-hmm. So that we can have more of that influence in our lives. Were there um, particular experiences that um, come to mind that you felt really strengthened your testimony uh, on your mission? One that I can recall really well is they had a musical fireside, a multi-state musical fireside. It was held at, on two evenings and they needed extra brethren to participate in the choir it was a hundred voice choir and then they had the there was a young brother there who was part of the western australian symphony orchestra mm-hmm. and he drummed up his band to accompany the choir and the, the feature was it was called i stand all amazed and it was based all around jesus christ and the atonement and i was able to participate as a member of the choir in that and i felt it was really really powerful it was a a feeling of conviction, you know, like these words that I'm singing are, are really true. That the Savior really did sacrifice His life for us. He did it out of complete love, so that you know we can receive the blessing of eternal life if we come unto Him. And music's a, a powerful way of conveying those messages. I really enjoyed that. Just having the chapel completely full both of those nights with members and missionaries and investigators and whoever it might have been across the community uh, participating in the, the spirit of that event, that musical at night. How are you different because of your missionary service, do you think? Well, I think I certainly feel a lot more confident within myself. Uh, before I left on my mission, I left from Newcastle Stake and I came home to Fell Stake in Adelaide. So... I had a completely new start, fresh start. I didn't know anyone. It was interesting, you know, new state president. I had a lot more opportunities to work a lot more closely with stake leadership when I was in Fell State because it's much smaller than uh, the stake I'd grown up in, which I feel like it's a lot more intimate here. And, and the same with the temple, only having three stakes here as opposed to the 10 stakes in Sydney. And, you know, I found a lot of strength in going to the temple very frequently, almost on a weekly basis. And it was interesting because President Howes was temple president at the time. When I was on my mission, I used to receive regular letters from a guy named Phil Howes. I had no <laughs> idea who he was. But I'm like, he's always got some really interesting stories to tell. And other councillors and people on the high council also sent letters and and stuff, which was really nice. I didn't know who they were, but it was really good. It was really strengthening. It didn't matter that I didn't know them personally. I still felt like I was loved and, and watched over just by having those thoughts and inspiration from people who were looking out for me. Maybe just to close, would you mind just sharing a brief testimony with us? Sure. I know that 
Heavenly Father really does care about us. He knows us individually. He knows of our strengths. He knows of our challenges. And although life can be difficult at times, um, there's I feel like there's great blessings awaiting for us uh, in each time that we endure. You know, we, we can strengthen our character through the power of endurance. And the Lord, who really does love us also, and that's why perform the atonement on our behalf that we can return back to our father in heaven and experience the joy that they have i know that to be true thank you for sharing that hey it's been um great catching up and hearing a, a bit more about your mission in perth and uh, the experiences that you had there thanks for taking the time no worries thank you well, I hope you enjoyed hearing about Richard's experience serving his mission in Perth. One of the major reasons I wanted to do this podcast is so that you could get to know the members of the ward as you hear them speak in more detail about their experiences. If this or any of the other podcast episodes has touched you, I hope that you'll reach out and let those people know. That's all I have for you now. Until we speak again on The Bishop's Office. Mm-hmm.